When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 31, and we are recording on Wednesday, August 1st. I'm Katie McLean, along with Rincey Abraham, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you doing now that you're back in the United States? I am still, I still have, like, vacation brain, it feels like. Like, I know everyone says, like, pregnancy brain is a thing. I think vacation brain is also a thing. It is. Um, So, (laughs) I apologize in advance for... The things I say on this podcast, because who knows what's going to happen? Oh, did you get to Did you get to do any any bookish stuff up? In, you're in Montreal, right? Yes. Yeah, so I was in Montreal, and in Montreal they have um, a physical location of Drawn and Quarterly, which is a graphic novel comics publisher. So I went to their like bookstore, and so they have like obviously all of their stuff, but they also have like other graphic novels as well as like a small book section. That was probably my favorite bookish thing actually no i went to a really beautiful library in montreal too if you go to my instagram which i mentioned at the bottom of the show um it's beautiful like it's all white and it has like a spiral staircase and it's literally something dreams are made of so (laughs) yeah those are probably like the two bookish things i did like i went to a couple other bookstores like oh i went to the indigo in Montreal, I'm just going to talk about all the book things because I'm just remembering them now <laughs> as I'm talking about it. Um, I went brain. to the Indigo like uh, flagship in Montreal or like whatever the main one in Montreal is. And it's amazing. Like it puts Barnes & Noble to shame. Like I'm so embarrassed by Barnes & Noble after going to an Indigo because it's huge. It's well curated. Like the book selection options were fantastic. Um, and then they have like an entire section that's like clothes and home goods and things of that sort but it also doesn't feel completely out of place like the way it sometimes does in other bookstores or the way that it does in like Barnes and Noble sometimes um yeah I was like so like it feels very much like Barnes and Noble but just significantly better so yeah I highly recommend going to an indigo if you get the chance that sounds fantastic we we went to Barnes and Noble oh think that was over over the weekend because Blaine and I just you know if we're getting restless on the weekend we're just like hey let's go to a bookstore um but and I know Barnes and Noble is not doing well as a business overall but yeah just walking in there it just it feel it feels a little bit sadder yes like I mean I know what like I went in there knowing there were a couple of new releases that I wanted that I ended up getting and I knew I could find them there but yeah, just just going going in there, like, I guess I guess with Barnes and Noble, it you know I kind of know what I'm gonna find. There isn't a whole lot of serendipity when you go into a Barnes and Noble. Yeah, and I like you know that's one of the reasons why I love either half price books or some or these independent bookstores, um, and because you just you don't know what you're gonna find. But yeah, the Indigo sounds sounds fabulous. And I would love to just like, you know, just spend a, spend half a day there. Yeah, honestly, like 
I like I feel the same way about Barnes and Noble and I think part of it is that like Barnes and Noble feels like it hasn't been updated since like the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. Like the way like the store is set up and like the furniture and obviously like I know it's like super expensive to like do that to hundreds of bookstores across the country, but like Indigo feels like it's like kept up with the times in terms of like the way it's laid out and the design of everything and things like that. Um they but I wouldn't say like anything I found there was like super surprising either um it's basically like your typical bestsellers but i just think like like they have this thing called heather's picks or something along those lines like it's like one of the ceos or someone um major at the company like picks books to be highlighted and like all of the books that she picked are like really really good and just even they had like a canadian specific section um and i think like part of it is also like you know, they have both French and English books. So it's kind of a novelty for me to be able to see like French editions of books or to see like what pop books are like really popular. But I wouldn't say it was like anything in there was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they have this. It was just like, wow, they picked just really good books to highlight in their front tables and like their shelves that that you see like right away or like that are front facing and stuff like that. So yeah, it just feels like what you would think or what you would want a Barnes and Noble to be in the United States. So yeah. All right, so Barnes and Noble, you got some catching up to do. Honestly. <laughs> All right, so if you are um, if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. You are about to enter a mysterious world. I was I was about to go into the Twilight Zone thing, but then my brain forgot all of it. <laughs> uh, was it a dimension of not of sight or of sound, but of mind? I, I don't know. I'm the wrong person to be asking about this. I I, no I, idea. I think I'm catching your vacation brain. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, we talk about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and true crime and adaptations and news and everything in between and themed lists and funny ideas that we get and um so yeah, it's just a little bit of ev- a little bit of everything on on the show and as always we put out a um an invitation to listeners to reach out to us if you have any uh, topics or questions or ideas um, that you would that you think would be interesting for us to talk about on the show. Uh, since our last episode aired, we have gotten a couple of emails with I, with uh, different topics. So thank you very much for those. We do appreciate we do appreciate it, and we'll definitely be be looking through some of these ideas as we plan future episodes. Um, but we all we will have our contact information at the bottom of the show. So like I said, as always. Uh, reach out to us um, because we love hearing from people who who like to listen to us every two weeks, which still is is just mind boggling to me that I mean, we've Same. been doing this for over a year now. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, people are still regularly tuning in to, to, to listen to listen to us yammer. I know. Yammer I'm constantly surprised stuff. by that as well. I don't understand. What are you what are you people doing with your time? <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it. But sometimes yes. I just wonder. <laughs> yes, we thank you from the bottoms of our hearts. Um now, before we get into the heart of the of this week's or uh, the heart of this episode, we wanted to talk about a another fantastic giveaway that Book Riot is doing. This one is in honor of the forthcoming season three of Book Riot's recommended podcast. If you have not listened to uh, Recommended yet, it features interesting people from the book world talking about their favorite books. So bookish people recommending their favorite books, which, I mean, because we all need more books to add to our reading lists. But for this giveaway, 
Uh, Book Riot is giving away 16 of the books that have been featured on the recommended podcast. Um, It includes books that were both written by the people featured on the podcast and also titles recommended by some of the guests. Um, There's a full prize list at bookriot.com slash recommended three. That's the number three. Um, and there, uh, so a few of the titles that they're giving away, they're giving away An American Marriage by Tayari Jones, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, which is a Book Riot favorite that is amazing, Florida by Lauren Groff. They've got, they've got a ton of fantastic books that they're going to be giving away. So if you are interested, and all of you should be interested, you have until August 31st to enter the giveaway, and you can visit that same link. Again, that is bookriot.com slash recommended three, that's the number three, to enter and then to view the full prize list. So thank you very much to Book Riot for, again, putting together an amazing giveaway and good luck to everyone. Yeah, and I highly recommend checking out the Recommended Podcast if you haven't already. They always have like really interesting, it's always like two people or two, yeah, two different people are in every episode and the episodes are only like 20-ish minutes long. So it's really nice. Like I personally really like it because that's like a nice Uh, podcast time for me just because like I don't have as much podcast listening time as I used to Um, and I always feel like the people that they pick always pick really interesting books like a lot of times they're like oh I've never heard of those books before but then you listen to them those people talk about it and you get like super intrigued by it so yeah highly recommend it yes like I said because because our uh, TBR lists aren't long enough already. I mean, at this point, like, why are we even trying to pretend like we will never, like, we'll always just have a million books we'll want to read. So I know, I know. I say that and I know that my, I'm never going to stop adding books to my reading list. It's just never going to happen. Exactly. But that's part of the fun, right? Yes. Um, for As far as news goes, really quickly, I want to mention a, a big piece of news that we forgot to talk about in our last episode. The new Robert Galbraith novel, the fourth one in the Cormoran Strikes series, is coming out on September 19th of this year. Let's all have the jazz hands. I've got jazz hands going. And I don't know how we forgot to mention this, but we did. But uh, the book is called Lethal White. And again, that's coming out on September 19th. It's available for pre-order. Um, I, I, I know we're, we're going to end up, uh, we're going to end up buying a hardcover copy of the book because we have the other three in hardcover, but I have only listened to the series on audio. So I need to like, I need to check to see if my library has pre-ordered the audio copy already. Cause I'm like, that's like, I will read it, but I have to listen to it first. So, um, so I, I've got, I've got some planning to do, but, uh, but for, for every, everyone else, if you, if you are a Robert Galbraith slash JK Rowling fan, um, you should be super excited about this if you haven't heard already. And if you haven't read the Cormoran Strike novels, y- y'all need to do that right now. Like you've got, you've got time between now and September 19th, read the first three and then you can be ready for, for number four. <laughs> and I have a strong feeling that you need to read them in order. Cause like the things that happen in book three are going to directly influence book four for sure. Oh yeah. Read them. Yeah. Read them in order. The crimes don't necessarily uh, play off of each other, but the character development does. So you have to read these in order. I will say the one 
thing that did upset me is that they changed the cover designs for the books and I'm very upset. They look more like the British versions and I did look it up on like the English publisher <laughs> just to, or sorry, not English, American publisher uh, to make sure that that was the same uh, cover that was being published in both the UK and the US and it is and I hate it a lot. <laughs> um, so that is my one gripe that I have. So but otherwise, I'm very excited for the book. <laughs> Well, you can use that for your your read harder challenge. Read a book with a cover that you hate. Oh, that is very smart. I like that. I may have already finished that challenge, but that's fine. I will also use it. Doesn't matter. Um, I don't even remember at this point what book I used for that challenge. Uh, but yeah, this is it's. I mean, you can come. I already talked about this on Twitter when I originally saw that this was coming out. But I'm. I very much don't like these cover designs. So I was like always so amped because I was like, usually the UK has a better cover design than US books. Like I feel like the majority of the time, and this was like the one time when I liked the US covers better. And now they changed them. And it also, I think, they changed the cover designs to match the adaptation too so i feel like this is also kind of going along with that vibe that it came out with the new cover designs and just why do you do this publishers i love the original covers they're so good i know me too yeah anyways oh well all right um and then the next couple of pieces of news that we have are just like quick little adaptation snippet things um if you weren't aware they are adapting megan abbott's book dare me to be a tv series on usa um and they announced the main cast members. Um, it's Willa Fitzgerald, who is best no- well known for being on Scream, the TV sh- series. Um, Harrison Guardiola from The Get Down and Marlo Kelly from Home and Away. Um, they've been cast as uh, the main characters. Let's see. Um I'm trying to see like which character is which. Um, Willa Fitzgerald is playing Colette French. Um, and then Harrison Guardiola is playing Addie Hanlon. And then Marlo Kelly is playing Beth Cassidy. Um, so this one follows like a competitive high school cheerleading world. Um, like all of Megan Abbott's books sort of take like follow girls in very or girls or women in very specific sort of situations. So this one is about like competitive high school cheerleaders. Um, so yeah, this is I think this will be interesting to see sort of how they adapt it because it looks like it's going to be like a full series. So I'm wondering also if they're going to like complete the book in like season one and then expand moving forward like they did with Handmaid's Tale or something along those lines. But I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye out for the show when it comes out because I love Megan Abbott. Um, And then the other one I wanted to quickly mention is that um, White Teeth by Hari Kunz... I don't know how to say his last name. Kunzuru um, has been picked up um, for a first look deal with Universal Cable Productions. Um, I believe that they are going to make this into a limited drama series based on this deadline article. Um, again, not a whole lot of information because it's still very early in the process. Um, but writer and director has been attached. His name is Stephen Cappell Jr. Um, I believe he worked previously on Creed 2, which is coming out very soon. Um, so the company that picked up uh, White Tears also created Blue Valentine and The Zookeeper's Wife. So they have experience adapting stuff for TV and film. Um, but yeah, just a heads up that that's also a thing that will possibly be coming to screens very soon. 
All right. And, oh, why don't you go ahead and give us our first official sponsor? Oh, right. I'm first. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> All right. Um, so our first sponsor is from Pegasus Books' Dodging and Burning by John Copenhaver. In a small town in Virginia in August 1945, Jay Greenwood leads 12-year-old tomboy Ciola Bliss and local socialite Bunny Prescott to a stretch of woods where he claims to have found a dead woman. But when they arrive, the body is gone. Ciola gets swept up playing girl detective, but Bunny becomes increasingly skeptical of Jay and begins her own investigation. She journeys to Washington, D.C., where she is forced to confront the brutal truth about her dear friend, a discovery that triggers a series of events that will bring tragedy to Jay and decades of estrangement between her and Ciola. So this is a novel that blends elements of both of uh, classic novels as well as like pulp novels, noir stories, and even coming-of-age angst into a top narrative of deception. Um, the author's aim with this novel was to use fiction to fill in the blanks left uh, in the historical record, specifically in the case of the LGBTQ community during World War II. Um, mystery readers will love these characters as they make use of detective skills learned from the pages of their favorite pulp magazines, unraveling the complex mystery at the heart of the book, while historical fiction fans are sure to appreciate John's attention to period detail in both uh, the setting as well as the grittier look at Washington, D.C.'s underbelly in the 1940s. Um, this book has already received uh, pre-publication starred reviews from a number of places, including Publishers Weekly, um, and it, the author's love of the time period shines through on every page and the references to classic noir films and products of the era. So if you enjoy historical mysteries or if you enjoy uh, mysteries that feature LGBTQ characters, then you can pick up A Dodging and Burning by John Copenhaver. And I, this is just such a random thing, but I just love these character names. Yeah, right? Like I was re reading this, I was like, Bunny Prescott is like a fantastic 1940s socialite name. Yes. I'm, I'm just like, Ciola and Bunny. I'm like, yeah. Oh, these are so fantastic. So at the very at the very least, A plus character names. Love them. <laughs> so for this week, our main discussion was was brought about by me because I could not stop talking about the ridiculous uh, monster thriller that I talked about a couple episodes ago, um, which which was Meg by Steve Alton, which is the book that the upcoming movie is based on. And uh, when I I've been telling people about about this book, and I and I was like, oh, it's a, yeah, it's in the Meg. I'm like, it's a megalodon, and they just kind of look at me. I'm like, jaws on steroids. They're like, oh, that one. <laughs> And I just, I loved it so much, and I was just, just going off the walls, and finally, Rincey said, well, how about in a couple episodes, we just do, we just do monster thrillers? So, so I guess, I guess, I guess we have, we guess we have that to thank for this week's topic. So yeah, we each read a monster thriller, and... Well, I'm I'm curious, Rincey, since I know this this is much more my genre than yours. What 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 are your thoughts? Okay, so for the record, I've read zero monster thriller books prior to this point, and it was actually a really fun experience because Katie, you emailed me a list of like recommendations, and I feel like just the list alone, I was like laughing and was entertained <laughs> just by like your descriptions of like what. Um, I could potentially read for this genre pick um, because, again, I would have had, like, no idea, like, how to even start uh, with this genre. So, I mean, I went into it, I feel like, with relatively 
appropriate expectations, I will say, uh, just because like I don't expect this to be like a literary award winning like genius writing or anything like that. Like you're going into it just to have like a fun, good time the same way you read like other genre fiction or the way that you would and approach something like Meg, you know, like I know what to expect. So I went into it like with those sort of leveled expectations. And then also, I I mean, I, I will say like the one thing that I appreciated about your email is that you were very clear and you were like, hey, this is what the monster is. But also there might be some heavy sexism in this book. Yeah. I, yeah. When I was talking about because I mean, Jaws is one of I love Jaws. I love the book. I love, uh, yeah, I, I love the story, but, and I haven't read in a while, but I, that one I was like, eh, I'm pretty sure there's some problematic, like, stuff between, between the, the character, the male and female characters. That's a kind of problematic. And the same with some of the other books. I was like, okay, there's one female character and she's a complete dingaling, but <laughs> the story, the story is really fun. So yeah, that's, I was like, and, you know, I, when I would, some of the books that I'm like, okay, these are definitely more horror. I'm like, okay, if this is any, anything like the other book I read by this author, be prepared for lots of over-the-top gore. So, yeah, I, I tried to give you as much of a heads up as I could. Which I very much appreciated. It definitely helped. Okay, um, so the book that I wanted to read, I will mention really quickly, was Relic by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. Um, because you described it as basically being like uh, the best parts of a Michael Crichton novel turned up uh, with the creepy factor turned up. And, you know, it's set at a museum and there's like spooky after hours things going on. And I just thought that was going to be so much fun. But my library just didn't have a copy available. And it wasn't going to get to me in time uh, for me to record the podcast. So I decided to just sort of like look around to see what my library had available. And they had Full Wolf Moon by Lincoln Child available. Um, so this is the fifth book in the Jeremy Logan series. But obviously, I haven't read the other four. So I'm assuming it's fine if you just start wherever. Um, and this one has to do with like werewolves which I was super into. I just was like amused by the premise. Um, so you're following this guy named Jeremy Logan who becomes known as an enigmologist, which is basically an investigator who specializes in anal um, analyzing uh, phenomena that have like no obvious explanation. So they, in, I think in previous books, he's looked into things where it's like, is this a ghost thing happening? Or is this like a vampire thing happening? That sort of thing. Um, and he like proves or disproves what the situation actually is. And so in this one, um, he decides to head off to this like cabin that's like known as an artist's retreat sort of situation so he can work on some of the work that he's been neglecting and he runs into or he finds out that like someone he knew from college works as a ranger in the woods nearby his cabin and they like get in touch and he the ranger wanted to get in touch specifically because there were a number of murders that have happened in the woods over the past year where the bodies were like really grisly like attacked really savagely mauled and so um people have been saying like it's basically like a wild bear attack but it doesn't look like typical bear attacks and there also haven't been like issues of like bears being seen and things like that so um the long and the short of it is is that like one of the rumors going around the small town is that someone in this one family that's isolated is a werewolf um 
so yeah, it's the story just about that. I enjoy. I mean, I'm still not done with it. I st- I have like 25 percent through to get through, um, just because I got this so late from the library and. But it's like a fun read. Like I knew going into it, it wasn't going to be amazing or anything like that. But it's just like a fun plot driven read. Um, Some of it is just like really over the top uh, writing. Like there's one point where they're having um, the police are giving like a press um, sort of what are, what are they called? Like a press junkin sort of thing, like explaining about one of the recent uh, attacks. And he's basically the police officer was basically like, these things are consistent with a wolf attack and these other things are not consistent with the wolf attack. And I'm like, you're literally like, as the reader, I was sitting here going, you're literally telling them that this was a werewolf. <laughs> just saying those things. Like, do you not realize as a police officer, what you were sound like to everyone who's listening? Like all they're thinking about is that this is a werewolf. It's just like silly things like that. Um, or there's like, one part where it was like the end of a chapter and it the i pulled it up because it's i just thought this line was hilarious it just says the killer he sensed was human and yet at the same time not human and not human is actually italicized and i just started laughing like it's just like that sort of like silliness uh that's happening in this book so yeah i mean it's it's not like literary genius but i will say i have no idea where this story is going to go um so it definitely has that going for it and i just think it's it's just kind of fun like it's kind of turn your brain off fun like there are too many things that in here that are like really convenient and whatever but that happens in all mysteries not all mysteries but a lot of mysteries and i feel like yeah if you just want something fun a little bit trashy um this one is like less than 300 pages so it's also a really quick read and yeah i i'm I'm having fun with it (laughs) It just sounds like it sounds like an episode of the X-Files. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> I'm just sitting there and I'm just thinking, I'm like, oh, yeah, the X-Files had, had an episode about a werewolf and then this happened. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I just, yeah, I, I love, I love monster thrillers. And before I go into the one that I, that I started reading for this episode, I do want to make sure that I mention another um another book by Steve Alton that I just I have to mention because I remember when I read it for the first time my mom saw, saw it like on a whim at the library and she picked it up she's like here this looks like something you you'd like and I devoured it in like 2 days but it's called The Lock it is about the Loch Ness monster <laughs> and it's amazing it is I mean it's monster it's like monster thriller that kind of veers into horror a little bit and it's got kind of that plot line to it where where it's like you know got to go out looking for the monster and then people are mysteriously disappearing and then you know the, the one guy has to like you know kind of face his fears and figure out what the last monster actually is um but there's also like elements of a legal thriller in there too because he's his father's from scotland um and he's his father is being held on suspicion of murder for these people that have that have disappeared or have turned up savagely murdered. Um, and so he's brought back to Scotland um, to defend his, his father, even though he hasn't talked to him in years. And there are elements of this, of they're like, like court, courtroom scenes that I remember reading them when I was like, oh gosh, I don't know, I remember how old I was, like 15 or 16 or something. And I was just, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is like a page turner of the highest order. I mean, it's, it's silly. And you like, don't go into the book looking for great character development. But if you are just like, like Rancy said, like a shut your brain off kind of thriller, the lock, 
by Steve Alton. It's just, oh my gosh, it's it's fantastic. Um, but the book that I picked for this episode, because I realized as I was thinking about recommendations to give to give to you, Rincey, and I mentioned this before, I was I'm look thinking of all of the books that I that I was gonna suggest. I'm like, oh my God, they're all by white men. And I'm like, okay. Now my challenge is to find a book written by a woman or an author of color, bonus points if it's if it's a it's a female author of color, whatever it may be. Um, but the book I ended up picking is called Crota by Owl Going Back, who is a Native American author. And he this book was actually nominated and won um, a Bram Stoker Award in the mid-90s, I think for like best first novel or something like that. So this one definitely, um, I mean, it has strong like mystery elements to it. Like he goes into, uh, there, there are like descriptions of the crime scene investigation, like when they find all these murdered bodies that goes into, um, more detail than, than you would expect. Um, although it's interesting, like it was written in the mid nineties, but reading it in 2018, like he's describing like how the, you know, how the police are, you do the crime scene investigation in this, this rural Missouri town. And he's going over these details. I'm like, yeah, I knew that like (laughs) from all the other mysteries and crime shows that have been out since then. But I think back in, back in the nineties, the, we weren't all, you know, amateur crime scene investigators. Um, but with this, with this book, um, it's interesting because the, the monster in this one, and I'm not, not giving away any big spoilers, is actually a monster from Native American lore. And if this were written by a white author, I'd be given this some serious side eye. Um, but it's written by a Native American author who is well-versed in the, I can't remember what, uh, I can't remember what tribe he belongs to or, or what his heritage is, but he's, but he's drawing from his, you know, from his ancestry or, or the, the mythology, the Native American mythology that, that he's well-versed in. Um, and there's, and there's also a Native American character in there who's kind of a spiritual shaman who's, who's more in touch with like the, the supernatural elements of what's going on. Like you've got the police investigating like the physical elements, but then you have this other person who's more, who's more tuned into the supernatural elements. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, like I said, if it was, if it was written by, if it was written by a white author, I would have been like, okay, dude, step back. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, it, and it's strange because you know, as a white reader, I don't, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm like, okay, I guess I, I'm, I'm taking the author at, at his word that this is, you know, this is an accurate representation, and that this is, you know, that this that this is an, you know, an accurate or a respectful demonstration of this of this stuff. But it's a it's an interesting reading experience because I'm I'm like, all of my senses point to this is wrong, but it's not because the author's Native American. So it's it's an interesting dynamic there. Um but it it does follow a lot like I mean, most of you who have read monster thrillers or have seen monster movies, you know, they they follow kind of a formula. You know, there's there's like one big there's like one big murder that sets off the the whole investigation what's going on thing. And then as the police are figuring it out, other people are being killed in gruesome and bloody ways. Um 
and you know so on and so forth. So I haven't I haven't uh, finished the the book, although I have a feeling it's going to end with some big showdown between between the monster and most likely the uh, the Native American character, or perhaps the Native American character and the police officer teaming up together. Um, but it is. It is very much kind of a kind of a switch your brain off and, and enjoy uh, kind of a read. Um, if you are interested in uh, in reading this one, I will, like I said, I will give you a heads up that that um, the level of gore here is definitely more on the horror side. So if you're squeamish, maybe give this one a pass. Um, he 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 goes in he goes into quite a bit of detail, um, and and kind of related the, to that I was kind of thinking about like, you know what what that line is between like a thriller like a monster thriller versus like a horror novel, and I'm like you know I don't know that you know for me I'm just kind of like ooh monster book, um, but you know for some people there there might there might be a real difference but um, I would say that yeah this one. This one definitely falls more on the horror end of the spectrum. Um, but uh, if you are if you're interested in give, in giving this one a try again, that was Crota. It's spelled C R O T A, and the author is Owl Going Back. Yeah, this was kind of a fun experiment for me. I don't know if I will. Maybe I will. I don't know. This was just like fun. I might pick up Relic eventually just because it sounds really interesting. And that's like the one I was the most drawn to. But I just feel like giving this stuff a shot is like, always just fun to see how the experience is. is. And as someone who doesn't normally read this stuff, I just think it's like fun to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And if you guys, and I uh, will put out the call, if you guys have any suggestions for really great monster thrillers, let me know. I want to hear them, especially if they're by authors of color and or uh, women authors. I would love to hear them. Um, because I'm, I've been in, I, I, like, the since the last episode, I've hit kind of a reading slump, and I just kind of need to do a reset, and I'm like, I feel like I just want to just, just drown myself in monster, in monster thrillers until I can get my brain working again. <laughs> I mean, there are worse ways to do that, so, yeah, I approve. Okay, that's good. <laughs> All right. So um, before we get into our new releases, um, I have our second sponsor, which is Book Riot, again, specifically Book Riot Insiders. And uh, Book Riot is offering a 14-day free trial of Book Riot Insiders. Um, with, if you sign up for a monthly or a yearly novel subscription, there are, there are three different tier levels, and I think novel is the second level. Am I right? I believe so. Okay. Um, So if you sign up for a monthly or a yearly novel subscription, the first 14 days are free. Um, The one of the the what I always mention for people who when we talk about Book Riot Insiders is the new release index, which is curated by our very own Liberty Hardy. And she does a fantastic job. Um, it helps you keep track of the most exciting upcoming books. It's beautiful. You just have all of these book covers greeting you when you first click on it. You can filter it by genre. You can find all the books that Liberty has read and recommends. You can see books that are trending. Um, and then you can also 
Uh, you can also um, basically bookmark uh, these titles to create your very own watch list of books that you are excited about that are coming up, and you can refer back to them. Because um, the main new release index, um, you aren't able to go through it retroactively. Like basically, it just starts from the date from what it, from whenever it is that you're looking at it. But if you save books from previous weeks, it'll save those on your watch list. And you can go you can go back, and it's a great reminder of all the fantastic books you need to add to your list. Um, but that's I mean that's not all you get with insiders. You get exclusive podcasts, newsletters, uh, giveaways for fantastic book riot swag. You have um, the discounts in the book riot store. I mean it's just it's fantastic. Um, so book riot, like I said, they are offering a monthly or yearly novel subscription. And I believe it's five dollars for a monthly subscription or 49 dollars for a yearly subscription and i remember that because it was just last week i was telling someone about this um and then the first 14 days are free and you can go to bookriot.com slash insiders to learn more so once again we thank book riot for being fabulous and for sponsoring the episode all right, now on to the new releases, which many of you would know about if you were an insider and looking at the new releases index, <laughs> just, you know, to make it all work. But for those of you who aren't or just get overwhelmed by all of the books, because I do as well. Um, so the first one I have is A Gentleman's Murder by Christopher Huang. This one came out on July 31st, so it is out now. Um, this one is a historical fiction mystery. Um, it's set in 1924 and the cobblestone streets of St. James ring with jazz as Britain races forward into an age of peace and prosperity. London's back alleys, however, are filled with broken soldiers and are enshadowed by the lingering horrors of the Great War. Only a few years removed from the trenches himself, Lieutenant Eric Peterkin has just been granted membership in the most prestigious soldiers-only club in London, the Britannia. But when a gentleman's wager ends with a member stabbed to death, the victim's last words echo in the lieutenant's head that he would soon right a wrong from the past. Eric is certain that one of the, his fellow members is the murderer, but who? Captain Mortimer Wolf, the soldier's soldier, thrice escaped from German custody, second lieutenant Oliver Saxton, the brilliant codebreaker, or Captain Edward Aldershot, the steely club president who Seville Row suits high a frightening collision of mustard gas scars. Eric's investigation will draw him from the marbled halls of the Britannia to the shadowy remains of the dilapidated war hospital and the heroin dens of Limehouse. And as the facade of gentlemanhood cracks, Eric faces a Matroski doll of murder, vice, and secrets, pointing not only to the officers of his own club, but the very investigator assigned by Scotland Yard. Um, so this one has gotten comparisons to like Agatha Christie and um, Sherlock Holmes in terms of like that historical British setting. Um, and this one, I believe, also features a uh, half British, half Chinese main character, um, Christopher Huang himself, I believe, is from Singapore. Um, and this book also has already been optioned to be made into a TV series um, in possibly the future. So if you want to be ahead of the curve on that, then again, that is A Gentleman's Murder by Christopher Huang. 
The next book I have is This Body's Not Big Enough for Both of Us by Edgar Cantero. Um, Edgar Cantero wrote Meddling Kids or The Meddling Kids, something along those lines, uh, which I believe came out last year and I know a lot of people really loved. Um, so this one came out on July 31st as well. In a dingy office in Fisherman's Wharf, the glass panel in the door bears the names of A. Kimmerin and Z. Kimmerin, private eyes. But behind the door, there's only one desk, one chair, and one scrawny androgynous P.I in a tank top and skippy waistcoat. AZ, as they are collectively known, are twin brother and sister. He's pure misanthropic logic. She's wild hedonistic creativity. The Kimmerins have been locked in a mortal battle since they were in utero, which is tricky because they very literally share one single body. That's right. One body, two pilots. So someone is murdering the sons of the ruthless drug cartel known as the Lion in the biggest, baddest town in California, San Carnal. And the notorious AZ Kimmerin must go to the sin-soaked palm tree-lined streets of San Carnal, infiltrate the Lion's inner, inner circle, and find out who is targeting his heirs. And while they're at it, rescue an undercover cop in too deep, deal with a plucky young stowaway, and stop a major gang war from engulfing California. Um, so this body is not big enough for the both of us is being described as brilliantly subverse and a comic thriller celebrating noir detectives, die hard, fast and furious, and the worst case of sibling rivalry that can only come from the mind from of Edgar Quintero. Um, so again, that's called This Body's Not Big Enough for the Both of Us. I know a handful of people who have already read this one and they like just absolutely adored it. Like they said, it's so much fun, super bonkers. So if you like those sort of like out of the box bonkers mysteries, like I've heard people say like there's nothing quite like this one. So again, that's This Body's Not Big Enough for the Both of Us. Um, the next one I have is An Unwanted Guest by Sherry Lapina, and this one comes out on August 7th. Um, so Sherry Lapina wrote The Couple Next Door, as well as A Stranger in the House, which I know a lot of people really enjoy The Couple Next Door. Um, so it's winter in the Catskills, and Mitchell's Inn, nestled deep in the woods, is the perfect setting for a relaxing, maybe even romantic weekend away. It boasts spacious old rooms with huge wood-burning fireplaces, a well-stocked wine cellar, and opportunities for cross-country skiing, snowshoeing, or just curling up with a good murder mystery. So, when the weather takes a turn for the worst, and a blizzard cuts off the electricity and all contact with the outside world, the guests settle in for the long haul. Soon, though, one of the guests turns up dead. It looks like an accident, but when a second guest dies, they start to panic. Within the snowed-in paradise, something or someone is picking off the guests one by one, and there's nothing they can do but hunker down and hope they can survive the storm. And again, that one is called An Unwanted Guest by Sherry Lapina. And then the final one that I have is a nonfiction book. Uh, this is called A Deal with the Devil, The Dark and Twisted True Story of One of the Biggest Cons in History by Blake Ellis and Melanie Hinken. Um, so these two authors are uh, award-winning journalists who work for CNN. And while they were investigating financial crimes for CNN money, um, they were intrigued by reports that elderly Americans were giving away thousands of dollars to mail-in schemes. And so after doing a little bit of digging, they discovered this huge uh, scam that was being run. Uh, basically, victims received personalized letters from a woman who claimed to be an amazing psychic, uh, convinced them to send money in return for riches, good health, and good fortune. Uh, the scam had 
like continued for decades, raking in more than $200 million in the United States and Canada alone, with investigators from all over the world unable to stop it. And at the center of it, it was an elusive French psychic named Maria Duval. Um, so this book is based on the five-part series that originally appeared on CNN's website in 2016 and uh, was seen by over 3 million people. And A Deal with the Devil basically picks up where the series uh, left off as the authors reveal more bizarre characters, follow new leads, and close in on Maria Duval and connect the dots in this edge-of-your-seat journey across the U.S. to England and France. Um, so if you are a fan of these true crime, long-form journalism sort of books, um, then you can pick up A Deal with the Devil, which comes out on August 7th. Well, I've gone and added all four of these books to my reading list. Gosh darn it. You picked good ones. <laughs> I did. I worked very hard on those picks. No, um, I mean, maybe one of these will be something that will help you get out of your slump. Yeah. Um, yeah, the last one, as you were reading it, I was skimming through it. I'm like, this sounds bonkers. And I honestly, also, sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, like, I specifically picked that one because personally, I've been really enjoying sort of these like really weird true crimey sort of books like in the last episode i mentioned reading the feather thief and bad blood that's exactly what i was thinking the feather thief yeah so like i feel like this falls like perfectly in line with that like if you had if you have read either of those books like you're probably gonna like this one as well i would assume but yeah this is now on my list because i'm like i really like these sort of like true crime long form journalism uh even just like partial cons that are happening in all of these books like i'm really enjoying that theme (laughs) All right. Yeah, I'm, I've added all of those. Um, so as far as what we're currently reading, I was going to say my list is short because I haven't really finished much and I'm not sure what I'm starting yet. Um, but I do want to I do want to talk briefly just about um, I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but I let um, I let Blaine read my digital copy of The Witch Elm by Tana French after I finished it. Um, and he finished it uh, within the last week or so. And I forgot to mention this like a month and a half ago when he first started reading it. But he he got like a little way into the book. Like he got to the part where they discovered the dead body. And then he went on Facebook and he said, okay, my current list of suspects for the witch elm. The main character, the uncle, the best friends, the cousins, the cops... All other side characters, the unnamed neighbor, the tree, and myself. <laughs> he said, Tana French is a master at making me play the guessing game. That is fantastic. I love that so much. <laughs> and I'm like, you're not wrong. I mean, that's what, every time I pick up a new Tana French novel, I'm going through, like, every time there's a new character, I'm like, they did it. They did it. They did it. And then he, when, he, when he finished it, um, I knew he was getting to the end because he would... He would, uh, he would finish with his with his favorite catchphrase. Now he's like, they're just getting into all kinds of mad scrambles in this. <laughs> and so I knew what he was getting to the end, and um, and then so he went into the bedroom. He was in there for a while, and I was like, okay, it's a little past his bedtime. The light's still on. Bet you he's finishing it. And then he comes out of the bedroom, and he kind of tosses the Kindle at me, and he goes. I have feelings, and then walk back into the bedroom. I'm like, okay. 
And then a few days later, we were able to, uh, he, we sat down and, and talked about some of his feelings, because I was very interested to hear what, what he thought. And I won't, I will not uh, describe any of them, because it gives away major, uh, major plot points and stuff. But he, he really liked it. But yeah, I just, I just liked his whole list of suspects. And then, and then he just kind of throws at me. He's like, I have feelings. I'm like, yeah, I had feelings too. when I finished it. Don't worry. And, but then he finished it, and then for, like, the next three days, he was wandering past my bookshelves looking at stuff. He was going, I don't know what to read. So I've been trying to, I've been trying to find him a book. I've been trying to find me a book. So, yeah, I'm, I don't know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll start rereading Ton of French again. Maybe I'll drown myself in monster thrillers. Maybe I will pick up something completely different. Um, I did just start, um... I was supposed to have read two historical romance novels for a meeting that we have tomorrow, and guess who has not read any of them? Me. Um, so I I did start reading um, An Extraordinary Union by Alyssa Cole, which is, I mean, there's some espionage. We'll call it we'll call it mystery related, but I'm I'm a, I'm a little ways into it and I'm loving it so far. Um, but may, maybe that'll help me get out of my slump. Just give me something that I'm not I'm not usually. I'm not usually drawn to. Oh my gosh, when you said Alyssa Cole, my like face lit up because her latest like contemporary book just came out. Um not not the Nigerian Prince one, right? No, it's the sequel to that one. Uh... And the audiobook is on Hoopla and I started listening to it last night. It's called A Duke by Default if anyone is interested in contemporary romance, which even if you're not interested in contemporary romance, I highly recommend giving Alyssa Cole a try because I thought I didn't like contemporary romances very much, like the standard romances. And then I read Alyssa Cole and I was like, all right, maybe I do like romance novels. So I had, you know, just just to go off on a quick romance tangent, I had that with um, I I can't the titles are also similar. I can't remember what it is, but with Alicia Ray. Oh yeah, the one, the third one with the the guy with the man bun. I read that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what they're called either because I haven't read them yet. Yeah, but it's yes, like I know what you're talking. Hate about. to want you, or I can't remember yeah. what it is, but it's the one with the man, guy with the man bun on the cover, and I just loved it to pieces. And that I like. I've read a Sarah McLean uh, romance novel that I really that I liked, and I've read a couple that I liked, but this one was like the. F- like the first romance novel where I was kind of like, I kind of unabashedly love this book. Um, so if you're looking for contemporary romance at, with like serious spiciness, um, yeah, the, the Alicia Ray's trilogy was, was fantastic. But um, anyway, what, what mysteries are you playing? Have you finished? All right. So since I was on vacation, I have finished a number of books, which I'm very proud of myself for finally getting to these books. Um, So the first one I read was Give Me Your Hand by Megan Abbott, which was the book that just uh, was released from her. And so I like had this as a digital arc. Um, and I like just was like, okay, I want to read this. Like, I like to read my arcs close to publication date. Um, so that way I'm like t- remembering to talk about them when they're actually coming out. And I like completely forgot that this was coming out in July. And then I like saw it on someone's new release list and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, anyways, I finally read it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, this one takes place in sort of like the STEM world. And so you're following these two, uh, women. One, is this girl named Kit. And when she was in high school, she didn't really have like a whole lot of ambitions for herself. But then this girl named Diane moves to town and they end up becoming lab partners in chemistry. And uh, 
Diane is like super motivated and wants to become like this really um, hardcore scientist basically. And it like motivates Kit to also take herself more seriously and to actually try in school. And she ends up becoming really good at chemistry as well. Um, And then something happens in their friendship and they have a falling out. And then you flash forward to present day when Kit is – I think in grad school or she just finished grad school and she's working as like an assistant in a lab for this uh, researcher who she's admired for a really long time. And uh, she's like trying to get a spot on one of her major research things that she's working on. And it's like a very competitive program. And then all of a sudden Diane shows back up in her life and in this lab. And it's about like, reconciling what happened in the past as well as like their competitiveness for this position and other things that happen uh in modern day as well so yeah it's it's standard megan abbott and not standard because that makes it sound like it's boring or something like that but i do think that like with each book megan abbott is becoming a stronger writer and it's definitely like apparent in this as well i did like give me your hand a little bit more but i think i'm just always going to be partial to anything gymnastics related um Oh, but, uh, um, not, what is the name of that? Give me your or hand. Not give me your, sorry, you will know me. Yes. I, yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, I will be partial to that one, I think forever, just because I love everything gymnastics. Uh, but give me your hand is still really, really strong. I, it, it, Megan Abbott just has this way of like writing that, like, as soon as I started the book, like I immediately had this sense of like tension, fall on me and I feel like Megan Abbott's one of the few writers who's able to like immediately immerse you into this world where you just feel like you can tell like things are off and you're not really sure why until later on when things are revealed and she just like handles all of that so well like I feel like she does atmosphere so so well so yes her latest one is called Give Me Your Hand and I recommend it if you enjoy Megan Abbott or if you haven't read Megan Megan Abbott before I think that this is a great uh, starting point book for her um, the next one I will just mention really quickly. I finally read The Dry by Jane Harper. Um, this was the first book I read while I was on vacation and I had it as an ebook, and so I decided to save it for vacation because I knew it would be a great airplane read and I adored it. Um, yeah, it's everything that everyone has been saying it is. If you enjoy a ton of French and you like those character-driven mysteries, you're going to like Jane Harper too. And I'm super excited to pick up Force of Nature uh, eventually. I mean, I plan on picking that one up sooner rather than later too, just so that way I'm up to date on Jane Harper. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I love the character-focused mystery so much. And I think that this one, like the mystery itself was really intriguing through the whole thing. And I... um yeah, I was just pulled in from the beginning. So yeah, if you haven't read The Dry yet by Jane Harper, after all that we've talked about it as well as plenty of other people, um, I don't know what you're waiting for, unless you're just like me and you were just waiting for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) And then the final book I want to mention really quickly is that I read The Last Equation of Isaac Savory by Nova Jacobs. And this is one where I was kind of disappointed. And the reason why I want to mention this really quickly is because I feel like I had false expectations going into the book. And so I feel like a lot of other people are going to have similar expectations. And so I kind of want to fix it. Um, so the way this book is pitched is that um, you are following or it's like soon after the death of this mathematician named Isaac Severy. And you're following his mainly his adopted granddaughter named Hannah, who gets a letter in the mail from him soon after his death that basically says, like, I've been working on the secret 
mathematics related project and I've hidden it away and here are all the clues you need to be able to find where this project is located and I need you to go find it and destroy it. And so the way the blurb goes, like it makes it sound like this is going to be sort of like a puzzle mystery book. And it kind of is because it does have the element, but it also very much is not. Um, It actually has like three different perspectives. And while it does all come together in the end, like the puzzle part just felt like the most minor part of the story almost because there are multiple perspectives. Um, So if you're going into this expecting a really great puzzle mystery book don't do that Uh, this is more like a family saga and it deals talks about things like grief and um death and all mourning and all of those types of things which are all good things but i just was not in the mood for that and i wanted a puzzle book and it didn't give me a puzzle book so i was very sad so this is one of the situations where i feel like i need to correct the marketing record almost because like you know marketing people are always or the people who write the blurbs are always just trying to sell books and they don't always do the best job of properly um telling you what the book is about so if you want to read the last equation of isaac Savory, i don't think it's a terrible book but i just think that it's not marketed properly <laughs> so there's that. Um, and then I have no idea what I'm going to read next. Honestly, I have so many books sitting on my shelf and I don't know which one I'm in the mood for. Um, but I did want to mention really quickly one that I picked up while I was in Montreal. Or no, sorry, one that I just picked up when I was at Half Price Books uh, recently. And that is Dragonfish by Vu Tran. This one came out in 2016 and I kept seeing it like on best of lists uh, from that year, but I never ended up picking it up. And then I saw it at half price books and I decided to grab it um so this one follows this Oakland cop named Robert who um has this ex-wife I think it's ex uh named Susie who is a Vietnamese descent and she like left him two years ago and then she in current day she has disappeared from her new husband uh Sonny who is a violent Vietnamese smuggler and gambler who's blackmailing Robert into finding her for him. Um, So it follows uh, Robert as he's trying to figure out what exactly happened to Susie. And it's like this dark uh, crime noir page thriller. I've heard it described or I've heard it being described as being a literary noir book. Um, So yeah, that might be the next thing I pick it up just because it's new and on my shelf. Uh, But I honestly have no idea what I'm going to read between now and the next episode. Yeah, that one was good. I think I ended up, I I know what, I was was like, I know I've read that one within the last year, but when we did our noir episode, I was like, Mm. well, I didn't like the Raymond Chandler, but I did end up finishing Dragonfish and I liked that one a lot. How did I forget that you talked about that one? I don't even know. The noir episode was a while ago. It was, and also Vacation Brain. Vacation Brain, that's all right. I forgive you. (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) All right. And so that's our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com and click on the Red or Dead page. You will see links to all of the news stories that we talked about here, as well as links to all of the books that we've talked about as well. Um, as And there will also be a link to the recommended uh, giveaway. So definitely make sure you check that out and you enter. Um, you have until the end of the month, but you might as well just enter it now while you remember. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can find us and check us out as well. Um, if you want to email us either with questions or with episode suggestions, 
questions or if you want to tell Katie about some more monster books that she can read, <laughs> um, you can email us at redordead at bookriot.com. And those get we see all of those emails basically. Um, so you can feel free to send it there. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincy A. And I am on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.